Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we'll be talking about the Hawks' 114 to 130 loss to the Toronto Raptors. Without further ado, let's get into it. Coming off a win against the Wizards, I was hoping that the Hawks would have a much better at least start to the game up in Toronto. Uh, Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and some things happened in the first quarter that were kind of crazy. I mean, the Raptors had four blocks in like the first couple minutes of the game, and the Hawks found themselves already in foul trouble. The Raptors were able to get into the bonus very early in the first quarter, and the Hawks never really got into this game at all, which was super frustrating. Obviously, the engine of the Hawks is Trey Young, and Trey was never allowed to get comfortable in the game. In the previous two games against Toronto this season, Trey had averaged 36 points, 12.5 assists, and 8 rebounds. Um, And in those, 36 points had come on 21 field goal attempts. Trey didn't even get up 15 field goal attempts in this game against Toronto. And some of that certainly was because he didn't play it until the fourth quarter when this game got out of hand. Uh, The Raptors were able to push the lead all the way up to 28 at different points in the game before the Hawks made a little bit of a push uh, late to cut the game and make it more respectable. But Trey was never comfortable, and the Raptors did a very good job of limiting this all-star guard who had torched them the previous two matchups. Some of the, the things that the Raptors did to get Trey off his game is they just threw a bunch of different bodies at Trey. Fred Van Vliet guarded him for a couple possessions. Uh, Pascal Siakam was on him. OG Ananobi, even their rookie, undrafted rookie Terrence Davis got a chance to guard Trey Young. The Raptors were not shy about letting Trey see a bunch of different bodies in front of him. And then they also switched up the coverages that they were throwing at Trey, whether it was just you know, one man on him, or they blitzed him on some, uh, when the Hawks would set a screen to try to get Trey free, they would blitz him to have two guys guard him out of the screen instead of just one. And Trey never found his rhythm. He was really passing the ball extremely well to begin the game. He had seven assists in the first quarter and he ended up getting 13 assists. But, uh, when Trey gets double teamed I'd like to see him move the ball or get the ball out of his hands a little faster but he just never was comfortable Um, again he only got up 13 shots um, and was 5 of 13 he did get to the free throw line seven times and one thing that Trey has been starting to figure out how to do is if he's not having a good night he makes it a priority to get to the free throw line and see the ball go through the basket but The kudos to the Raptors for really taking Trey out of his game and not allowing him to be the one that was going to beat them. The previous two games that the Hawks played against the Raptors were close games. The game in Atlanta that is part of this winning streak that is now stretched to eight games for the Raptors. The Hawks were really in control the whole game until the third quarter, um, the end of the third quarter. In the previous game, the Hawks was even closer. I think it was just a two-point game. So the Hawks have played the Raptors well, and and the Raptors really took care of business in Toronto um, and stuck it to the Hawks kind of the whole game. If you look at the numbers, there's not a lot that separates the two teams. The Hawks shot 45% from the field. The Raptors shot 50%. Uh, 
the Raptors shot 30% from three-point land. The Hawks shot 25% from three-point land. Now, the Hawks number there is a little inflated. Cam Reddish got hot in the fourth quarter and hit four three-pointers to push that up. And the Hawks were really shooting poorly from the three-point line. Trey, some of his passes, and he should have gotten a couple more assists, were to wide-open Hawks players who just didn't make three-pointers. Kevin Herter, in particular, had a rough night. He was just two of nine from the three-point line. DeAndre Hunter was three of eight. Cam Reddish was four of 11. Again, those four threes coming at the end of the game. And no one on the Hawks really had anything going from the three-point line. Uh, Vince Carter came in to a really loud ovation from the Toronto fans. This is his second-to-last game in Toronto before he retires. And he got going a little early, had 10 very quick points. But when you're relying on your 43-year-old guard slash forward to keep you in a game, it's not really a recipe for success. Getting back to the numbers, the Hawks got to the free throw line 25 times. The Raptors only got there 27 times. Um, The rebounds, the Hawks had 44 rebounds. The Raptors had 52, but each team had 10 offensive rebounds. Um, The big difference in this game was the turnovers. The Hawks had 18 turnovers to the Raptors 13, and the Raptors were able to score 30 points off those turnovers, where the Hawks were only able to score 13 points off the turnovers they generated. The big thing for the Hawks is those turnovers come in various different ways, whether it's throwing a bad pass, having an offensive foul, um, or some sort of shot clock violation. But the Hawks are very, very bad, and Trey had seven of those turnovers at having live ball turnovers. For Trey, that happens usually when he gets up into the air and doesn't have anyone to pass it to. Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter sometimes have passes where they just throw the ball away. They're trying to be a little too aggressive with a pass and just throw it away. And then Cam Reddish sometimes just dribbles the ball off his feet. And for a lot of that, it's just that's youth. We have a ton of youth on this team, and there's going to be growing pains. But when you're not knocking down shots and then you're giving the Raptors a lot of easy shots at the rim, a lot of shots that are just layups at the rim, it, it's not a recipe for success. Now, the Raptors had a couple guys have really good games, but again, nobody had a crazy game. Serge Ibaka probably had the best game for the Raptors. He was 9 of 14, 2 of 7 from three-point land for 24 points. He had 10 rebounds. And he's really stepped up. Mark Gasol, the Raptors' starting center, was unable to finish the game. In a really weird play, he got injured playing defense um, where the Hawks scored. And the Raptors threw the ball in, but Mark Gasol was already walking off the court. And the Raptors only had four players on the court. And so they got a a time clock violation. And... The Hawks got a technical foul shot that they ended up making. It was a really weird call. It ended up stopping the game for a couple minutes just to get it all sorted out. But Marcus Gasol was injured, and so Serge Ibaka did a really nice job stepping in and filling the middle. Um, that doesn't mean to say that John Collins didn't have a big game. John Collins was really the only bright stop spot for the Hawks. He was 11 for 14. Um, didn't make any three-pointers, but was 6-6 six six from the free-throw line and hit had 28 points. And John was really the bright spot for the Hawks, just finishing everything around the basket. And he provide, seeing him with Trey, it's just real obvious to see how Trey's assist numbers have gone up so much. He has a reliable uh, partner in the pick and roll who will finish his shots. 
Um, Damian Jones had a tough game. Damian Jones, the last couple games he's come in, has allowed big men from the opposing team to get wide open three-point shots. Like I said, the Raptors didn't go crazy from three-point land, but both Marcus All and Serge Ibaka had pretty wide open three-pointers that they drained um, with Damian. I don't know if that's part of the coverage. I don't want to get onto Damian Jones just because he he's doing a drop coverage that the coaches are telling him to do, but giving these known three-point shooters against the Thunder was Mike Muscala, who hit five three-pointers, and then here Siakam hit a couple, and uh, I mean, excuse me, Ibaka hit a couple, and uh, Marcus Gasol hit a couple threes, but uh, it just felt like every time that the Hawks made any sort of comeback, the Raptors were able to hit a three to really just stop any streak that the Hawks had. Um, other notables, the only other notable for the Raptors was Pascal Siakam, really. He was 8 of 20, didn't shoot anything crazy from the field, but he was able to get up to 24 points, had 9 rebounds, um, and a couple assists. OG Ananobi, i just bringing him up because he's a guard slash wing, and he had, I think, three blocks on jump shots, which is kind of unheard of. Uh, and I thought that those blocks all coming early, the Raptors didn't end the game with some absurd amount of blocks, but those sort of set the tone for the Raptors early and dissuaded the Hawks from taking it inside the paint. Um, so... It was just kind of a frustrating game. Again, it felt like it was really herky-jerky. Neither team got a ton of free throws, but combined, they had 52 free throws. And it wasn't just the most pleasing game to watch. Uh, The Hawks were never in sync. When you have your players get open shots that they just brick, I think it's even harder to watch. And um, it was just not the Hawks' night in Toronto. It doesn't get any easier for the Hawks. They get to come home and play the 76ers. And so they're going to have to figure out maybe being back at State Farm Arena will help those shooting percentages go up and help um, Herter kind of find his rhythm again. I was really disappointed. Like Cam got it going in the fourth quarter. And for him to go, and even in a game that was sort of a lost cause, go get some shots up at game speed and hit some threes, I thought was really encouraging. But Kevin Herter just hasn't had it going lately. He had a very nice showing in the Wizards game. But I don't know what's not working, whether just being, you know, in Canada or what the issue was. But he had a couple of wide open threes that really would have helped move some momentum in the Hawks' favor. And they just didn't go down. So the Hawks come home um, to play the 76ers at State Farm Arena on Thursday. And that is now kind of an important game. Um, It's interesting. Toronto had not been home since the passing of Kobe Bryant. And they did a little memorial for Kobe and I think Kobe's death is going to kind of hang over this the entire rest of the season but now that these memorials and tributes are sort of behind these teams I wonder if NBA basketball will sort of get back to normal um, and if the Hawks are going to be able to play a tough 76ers team in State Farm and, and not let this one loss turn into a string of losses but it was a really frustrating game. Again, a 114 to 130 loss for the Hawks. Um, you thought maybe they could take some momentum from that historic, really, you know, game against the Wizards where they dropped over 150 points in regulation, but that was not to be. Um, and we will move on, and hopefully the Hawks will be able to get a win in Atlanta tomorrow.
Thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. You can reach me, Forrest Willoughby, at kettlecast at gmail.com. If you get in your questions, there will be an opportunity for a mailbag episode coming up. The Hawks won't have back-to-back games. Um, but if you get your questions in, I'll be able to answer those. And if you could leave a rating or review on whatever platform you use to get your podcast, that would be a big help to me. Go Hawks!